I feel good, honestly. Let's fucking do this like thing. What is good, ladies and gentlemen? It is your host, James, with the FTC Podcast, bringing you a look into week three as we get started here. Our game of the week will be on Saturday, June 17th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Archers vs. Chaos. But before then, today, we have Water Dogs Atlas and Chrome Cannons. Tomorrow, obviously, Archers Chaos into Redwood Whipsnakes. Uh, starting off with the first game, Water Dogs Atlas. This is my game of the week. Whether or not Archers Chaos was determined by the league to be, Water Dogs Atlas, I think, is going to be the most interesting game here. Both teams sitting at 1-1 one and one currently while both also had nail-biting wins and or a loss, if you're Water Dogs, uh, last week, what is most important to note in this is going to be the Water Dogs crumbling in the first quarter of uh, of last week's match against the Redwoods. They were up 6 to nothing in the first before allowing for six uncontested goals by the Redwoods, which allowed them to claw their way back in in a back-and-forth game until the final dagger was put in by Rob Pennell on a fake question mark uh, off the far side from about 10 yards out. And looking at this matchup as we go into it in week three, on paper, it looks very clearly as the Atlas having the advantage. Atlas last week against Whipsnakes played a phenomenal game. They, they were able to just separate themselves in that third quarter and they ran with it. Went ahead and were able to win on the back of... Uh, on the back of Jeff Teat with five points, we're able to go ahead and largely gain this win and lead because of shots on goal being 29 to 23 against the Whip Snakes. Whip Snakes have really struggled this year in general with getting with getting going on offense. Before this week, uh, Rambo had not had a goal. Week one, he was held scoreless. Uh, this week, getting I believe four, uh, or last week rather, getting four goals. Uh, something they desperately need. He needs to be popping off. Now, obviously, the biggest threat on the Atlas team does not come from their goal. Definitely not from their goal. Um, not from their offense or defense. It comes from Baptiste. Baptiste is currently enjoying, I believe, 67% from the spot. Yes, 67% at this moment from the spot on 51 Faith Softs. He's going to go into Columbus against James Riley and Zach Tucci who are 48 and nine and 29% respectfully. They are going to get slaughtered, and I do not see a way in which they hold themselves above 70%. That being said, the goalie situation for the Atlas is wildly problematic. Jack Kincannon has started the year with a 48% save percentage, which, if continuing, is going to hold back this team astronomically. Matt DeLuca is at 59% and has shown great ability even with that loss last week letting up six goals I wouldn't even put that necessarily on him letting up those six in a row because there were many instances where it was back and forth just save rallies by him and Jack Kelly so in this matchup points leaders are going to be Jeff T for Atlas with 10 Kieran Ardle McArdle is going to be at five the Atlas are absolutely a glass cannon I want to make that clear they are at, they they win every category against the Water Dogs, except for a few key markers. Obviously, save percentage, as just mentioned, which Water Dogs take 59% to the save percentage of Atlas at 48, but also scores against at 8.5. While the Water Dogs aren't scoring a lot, they're able to hold quite even. So are Atlas. Atlas are 12 uh, scores per game, while scores against it at 12. But the Water Dogs seem to be based more in that midfield. 
They're running a very heavy midfield. For instance, the best the best way to show this is Zach Courier has four calls turnovers and currently leads the Water Dogs, where, of course, Gavin Adler on the, uh, the Atlas lead them with four calls turnovers as well. This is a game as well with ground balls being more so by uh, by Zach Courier in the midfield. This Water Dogs team is built around this midfield, and I think that's really where they can turn it around for them. With the shortened shot clock off of the faceoff, I think they are going to be able to limit the effectiveness of Trevor Baptiste. I think they are going to be able to push forward and score in situations that otherwise would allow the defense of Atlas to get set and prepare for them a bit more. They have a lot of ways to score on this team. They have a lot of unexpected ways to get the ball back on defense. Sowers is sitting at 18 shots, and we've seen what Sowers can do. At a point, this man is going to start hitting a lot more goals if he keeps up those shot numbers, and it is going to be scary for the league like it was last year. That being said, another issue in this game that can really turn into a really exciting uh, exciting point in general is going to be Chris Gray, the attackman for Atlas, currently sitting at four points with two goals, two assists. But the real problem there is his 11% shot accuracy. He's not getting them on net. I don't know what the issue is there, but much like Sowers, who was sitting at 17%, oddly enough, uh, also just a tad low, if he starts hitting, these goals are going to pour in. The Atlas are a glass cannon. The Water Dogs are more so a defensive standpoint, and that's weird to say about a team about teams that are evenly split on scores against and scores per game, but it's only been two weeks. But looking at these teams, you can see their identities coming coming out. The Water Dogs' identity lies in that midfield, the Atlas lies in that attack. They need to be able to score quickly. They need Baptiste to be able to work efficiently. But with the Water Dogs midfield, I think it may be a kryptonite for them. I, I give this one to Water Dogs. I, I, I wish I could say that uh, that Baptiste is going to be able to carry the Atlas to a victory. He is still, I, I do believe, going to get around 70% wins in faceoffs. But I think the midfield for, uh, for Water Dogs is going to prove to be too powerful. That defense is going to be great. I think DeLuca has an amazing game, and I, I give this one to Water Dogs. I'm going to say I'm going to say 11 to nine. Water Dogs. Our second game of Week Three is going to be Chrome versus Cannons, both averaging more scores against than scores for. It is going to be a hell of a matchup here. Really going to wind up being a a, a bashing of heads between Moral and Nalting. Uh, one obviously contributing a large amount to the success so far that being moral on the chrome moral on the chrome currently has 10.6 one point goals four assists and is shooting at, on net at a rate of 67 percent this man is not missing goal it is either saved by the goalie or it's in the back of it while nolting is only averaging 13 percent on goal he still has eight points he is a core person at that x for them dishing out six assists and two one-point goals. This man's value is more as the quarterback than the actual score, whereas morals comes from either side of it. He is both the one putting it in the back of the net and the one dishing it out. He has become instrumental to the success of the Chrome so far, even though they are just sitting at one and one and their defense leaves a lot to be desired. They are absolutely able to score in bunches with this offense. I think the Chrome take this one easy. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I think the only real weak point for the Chrome at this moment in time is Sean Scannone. Sean Scannone, their goalie, at 51% save percentage, 
it's not as great as we would prefer. They're going in against Colin Kirst, who will get the start over Adam Gittleman. That was announced a couple days ago. Uh, we saw Kirst thrust into the position uh, last week with about 10 minutes remaining in the game uh, to pull out an attempted win for the Cannons, although it did not materialize. He is sitting at 57% save percentage on uh, with only four saves to his name, limited playing time. I definitely feel strongly that he is going to have a hell of a game. Now, that being said, do I think that was the issue last week for the Cannons? And do I think Gittleman really needed to come out? No. If we look at the statistics for it, the final one after OT was 14 to 13 chaos in that chaos cannons game. The cannons had three scores in a row in the fourth to tie it up. What we need to note in this and what is so important when looking at this game is the defense. I've watched through these highlights and the games themselves about twice each twice for the game. And actually probably about three times for highlights on here, just to see if I missed anything. The cannons defense there is no leader. There is nobody speaking out. There is nobody trying to coordinate anything. And that is the most unfortunate thing for this team. I, I wish I had a better way of putting it other than it is not pro-level defense. Okay. Whether you're Matt Reese or anyone else on that defense, it's Matt Reese, uh, Kilty, or um, who's the last there? It would be uh, either Sullivan or Pulver, right? All of them. All of them in every which way have not been able to communicate you notice in this game against chaos them all running to the ball they're ball watching way beyond what they should they're leaving men open it is a constant issue that is happening every step of the way i cannot tell you how many times if i were to go through the highlights and we were to point out every time i saw the cannons defense all of them run to the ball the lack of communication between them or the lack of effective communication between them because there were points where you can definitely see them talking to one another but it's not doing anything they need someone like a garrett apple they need somebody that's willing to sit in that defense and tell them you're doing this you're doing this that is very apparently not that, that is very apparent that it is not happening on that defense currently um make no mistake about it i don't think this is a goalie issue i don't think cursed is going to offer this saving grace over Gittleman. Honestly, I think Gittleman is a better goalkeeper. I think we saw that in his previous years. I think this defense is the issue. I'm not ready to say, oh, Kirst was the issue. I think he's, I think, I mean, uh, sorry, Kirst is the savior. I think Gittleman is a scapegoat in this. I think Gittleman winds up coming back as the starter next week. Now, on the offensive end, the Cannons have a great, uh, a great combination of Nolting and Holman and uh, Nolting, Holman and Kavanaugh. They're doing they're doing great things. Kavanaugh's kind of on the I mean the lesser of them. More so, it's Holman and Nolting that are absolutely dominating. Drenner as well. They are leading this team. Holman right now is shooting at forty two point nine percent on goal. Or sorry, sorry. Uh, he is currently shooting at yeah no yep no I am right forty two percent on goal. Nolting only has thirteen, but it is made up by Holman. It it is amazing. Holman currently has nine points, five of which coming from goals four from assists. Nolting has six assists and and uh, two goals, both of which are dealing out beautifully. They know how to work with each other. We're seeing this team come into its own. Big failing point for this team this week, I believe, is going to be from uh, from the spot, right? Steven, Stephen Kelly through two games, Stephen Kelly is 43%, whereas Connor Farrell is at 52. 
Now, Farrell is never going to be a guy, and I've said this time before, not on this podcast, but just in general, that Connor Farrell is never going to be that guy to give you 60 plus percent. He is not that level like Baptiste is, but Connor Farrell will fight and he will dog out wins that he should have no right getting in face-offs. That being said, I do think he is the better in this situation. I think Connor Farrell comes into this game. I think I would be surprised if he doesn't get at least 58% of the wins at the uh, at the spot. I think it makes the most sense for the team, and I think I, I think it makes the most sense in general out of this game when looking at the uh, the faceoff comparison. I think that although I'm not a big fan of Scanone, uh, I think he comes out with a better save percentage than Kirst. I think Kirst doesn't top 50%. I think that Gittleman will be back in net by uh, by next week. I think he brings the experience to that team. I think they need leadership there, whether it's from the goalie or a captain on defense, and I need and I think they need to solve it quick. Scanoni trusts his defense. For better or worse, he trusts them. Do I think the Chrome defense is amazing? No, I do not. Do I think they have the potential to be amazing? Not in their current uh, not in their current form. But there's a certain level of understanding on that defense that is going to give them the advantage over the cannons. And I th- I think I think that's what we're gonna see. My final score prediction for this game is going to wind up, mm, I'm going to give it to Cannons, obviously. I mean, I'm going to give it to Chrome, obviously. I think Chrome advanced to 2-1. and one. Cannons go 0-3 to start the year. I'm going to say 12-9. to nine. I'm going to say 12-9. to nine. I think it's going to be a rather low-scoring effort uh, for Cannons. I, th- I think it works out well for them. Uh, for I think it works out well for Chrome, rather. I think, uh, yeah, 12-9, I think they win by three. Uh, if you want further stats on that, I think we're going to see Scanone with a 54% save percentage and Connor Farrell with right around, like I said, 58%. I think Gittleman will go back in by the end of the game or will be the starter next week. Uh, not that I don't have faith in Kirst. I think Kirst showed great saves uh, last week, but I don't think that Gittleman was the uh, reason that this team failed. And I think uh, with the defense that already doesn't know what to do, uh, Kirst being a fairly new starter for that team, and in general, having only started, I believe, one other game, uh, I, I just don't think he's the answer. I think you need Gittleman's experience in that uh, between the pipes. I think you need it. If it was a stronger defense and you were building up your goalie, I understand this move. I don't understand it here. I give this one to Chrome. Moving on to game three, we have Archers versus Chaos. Archers are 2-0, and Chaos are 1-1. and I like a lot of things from the Chaos this year. I do. I think they finally found a really good face-off man in Nick Rowlett. I think he brings the right demeanor, attitude, and I think he can become a leader on this team. That being said, the Archers are outscoring. They're outproducing. Their defense is absolutely where it needs to be. Their face-offs are going amazing. Uh, Mike Sisselberger at 67%, 18 ground balls. The man is tearing it up. These aren't against these aren't against bad players either. Last week he went he had to go up against uh he had to go up against Connor Farrell who we just talked about. It is going to be close in the faceoff department, but I just think that in terms of scoring, you have Tom Schreiber, you have Connor Fields, right? You have too many options for uh for Archers rather to be able to win this game. Looking at Archers last week, they burst off against Chrome. They were up by f- they won by that game by five points. Okay, O'Keefe is able to score at a at a alarming number. When I look at the Atlas, I look at possibly the most complete team in this league right now. They are top two in this league. 
I, I myself am a Redwoods fan, and I would love to be able to say the Redwoods are the best in the league. They have a 2-0 and record right now. I don't believe they are. I, I would maybe put them at 4th or 5th. Not, no, 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 eh, third or fourth. I would put them third or fourth. I'm not going to give a full ranking here, but I would say third or fourth, right? I think they have a very good team, but I've seen the Redwoods fall off too much. The Archers have been consistent. I think the Archers have been, and that's kind of their identity. They're a very consistent team. This is scary, the numbers they're putting up. Not in terms of like, oh, high, super high goal amount or anything like that, but just what they're able to do uh, consistently week in, week out through the first two weeks. Um, I think they're the best team in this league and it's not close. It's, it's very much so it's very much so going to be interesting as the season develops. Um, I don't think chaos are there this year. You know, the defending champs, I get it, but 14 to 13 against a bad cannons team, a bad cannons team, which we just got done talking about their defense being a big problem, not being able to defend or have a voice in that back line. And it was still close. That's worrying. Now, I understand people are going to say, well, what about blaze? Right. What about, uh, what about Rowlett? Their new face off guy, great players. Amazing. Right. They, they, they're doing amazing work there and they're on the right path to having the right to having the ability to contend this year. Do I think they're a bad team? No. Do I think they beat archers? Not a chance. I, I don't, I struggle to find a way where chaos come out on top in this matchup. Uh, for context, archers average 14 scores a game to chaos is 10.5. And scores against, Archers beats them there too. Only 10 scores against on average to the Chaos is 10.5. This is something we see from Chaos year in, year out, right? Not a great regular season, but somehow they make it to the playoffs and they're able to push through, right? It's the same story, different year. They need to find some way to get together. I think their face off, you know, Rowlett is there. So is Reardon. I think they'll figure it out, but they're not there yet. And right now the Archers look like the scariest team in this league. All right. Um, Schreiber is averaging or not averaging, sorry. Schreiber has 10 points in general, two goals, eight assists. Uh, the man is dishing it out. There's a reason that they call that they called him on the cast last week, the best midfield and the best midi in, uh, in lacrosse, right? There's a reason for that. And it's because he can dish it out so efficiently. He gets assists. He has great vision for the play. He's like having a second man at X, right? At one point goals, you have Connor Fields. Connor Fields, you have Connor Fields who has six points or six uh, one-point goals rather, absolutely tearing it up there. This this is worrying. If you're if you're chaos going into Archers, this should be worrying, right? You have Dobson who came in and is at sixty-five percent save percentage, a little bit above Reardon, but honestly, again, I give that to Reardon. I think Reardon is just the better uh, the better goalie. I think he is the go- the best goalie in this league right now. And then. Um, and then Mike Sisselberger uh, at uh, at sixty seven percent on faceoff. Again, I think Rowlett is a great is a great uh, point in this uh, is a great rookie coming into this year. That being said, I don't think he's better. I, I again, Arch. I, I I looked at this team. I looked through the game film. I looked through the highlights. I, I don't see much of um, much of a weakness in them. We saw the goal. Uh, I believe it was last week or the week before where it's batted. It's a ground ball is batted up and then shot in on the, uh, on the doorstep, right? Like you're toying with your food that that's not, that wasn't drawn up. That's just good heads up lacrosse, uh, looking for any way that they can sort of like, uh, score, get points out there. Scrappy team. They don't have to be, they're able to score in precise moments. They have great vision from the midfield. 
this team, when you look at it, is the most complete team, and I, I can't find a weakness for them. I wish I could, um, but I don't think it's close. I think Archers go 3-0. My score prediction for this one, going to be a bit more conservative. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 13 to tw- uh, thirteen to 11. I know I said not even close. I, I think that's more so like from the eye test. I think watching it, we're going to see archers. Uh, archers play a lot better but than chaos, but I do think it is relatively close. I'm not going to give them a blowout. I think, uh, what did I say, 14 to 12, 14 to 12, 14 to 11. I, I do think that chaos wind up getting around 11. I don't think that they're held to under 10. Could be wrong in that. But um, yeah, I'm gonna say 14 to 11. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna alter it to 14 to 11. All right, and for our final game of the week, it's going to be Redwoods at Whipsnakes. Whipsnakes at Redwoods. Uh, this game will be taking off on Saturday at 7 p.m. to close out our week on ESPN Plus. And honestly, don't let the records fool you. Redwoods are 2 and 0. Whipsnakes are 0 and 2. Don't let those fool you. This is going to be a much closer game than I think anyone really wants to admit. I think the Whipsnakes really found their footing last week, even though they did lose. It was uh, it was much closer than you would imagine seeing their week one performance. I just think Atlas are that great of a team right now. Um, I think Rambo finally found his footing, and if that can continue, it's going to be dangerous for, uh, for any team that comes in their path. Listen, Whipsnakes have always been, in the history of this league, a force to be reckoned with. I don't think that changes. Both Rob Pinnell and Matt Rambo are sitting at eight points apiece. Uh, For Rob Pinnell, a bit more from that quarterback role, right? He has three goals, five assists. Rambo is four and four. Big difference there, Rambo, and this has been the case all the time, Rambo shoots from about two feet out constantly. So he is at 67%. I don't put too much value in that. He's shooting from right at the doorstep. I believe in Jack Kelly in that matchup. I believe in Jack Kelly being able to go ahead and save that. I believe in... Uh, I think they'll put Eddie. Uh, I don't think they'll put Glazner on Rambo. I think Glazner goes on uh, goes on Zed. I think Apple winds up on Rambo, and I think Apple gets the better of Rambo there and limits him. Now, where it really does get interesting is going to be more so with uh, with the goalie situation, right? Um, or not goalie situation. I apologize. Sorry, the face off situation. So Lasala is under fifty percent right now, and so is Erlin. That being said. I believe Erlen is a better face-off guy, and I think most people would agree that Erlen is a better face-off guy, hands down. Uh, Erlen just kind of had an unlucky week one with Atlas, uh, even though they were able to pull out that victory. Sucks that it had to be. Uh, sucks that he had to go against uh, against our, the best face-off man in the league. But it's one of those matchups that always happens. Um, last week he bounced back. He was about fifty percent. I think Erlen wins this matchup, even though right now he sits slightly lower in overall face-off percentage. I think Erlen is faster. I think he brings more out, especially with the lowered shot clock uh, off of faceoffs. I think his ability to stay on and be a part of a play is uh, is something that you have to worry about if you're the defense. It's not a point where you can really just put Lasala on him to guard him. You may actually have to put an SSDM onto Erlen, which is problematic in those first 32 seconds. I think he can shake up defenses as a result. Um I think goalie-wise, very similar. Jack Kelly and Bernalore, both amazing goalies. Um, I think the defense is where it really comes into play. I think um, I think uh, the Redwoods defense is astronomically better than that of the Whipsnakes. I don't look at the Whipsnakes defense as a threat. I think this one winds up going to the Redwoods. Not the game in general, but at least the defensive matchup, right? Um, if Rob Pinnell is able to hit and Ryder Garnsey is... Uh, Berg as well. It's just a very good, um, a very good attack setup as well, right? Very balanced offense. 
uh, having one lefty and one righty and then Rob Pinnell dishing, it allows, it opens up the doors for them to accomplish a lot here. And then you have to remember, you still have to deal with Henningberg. You still have to deal with Jones. You still have to deal with, um, with Sexton who had a goal last week, a big one, right? Uh, Sexton at LSM or Kennedy, great LSM duo coming out of them. I think in general, this Redwoods team is very strong and I'm cautiously optimistic with them. You know, previous years I've looked at them and their rosters and said, this team is absolutely stacked. They're going to do amazing. And I've been let down this year. It looks like they may have found a solution. I know it's still early. We're only two games in about to go into the third, but I am very confident in this team. And I think Redwoods pull this out. I think Redwoods also go to three and oh, same with archers. And that's going to lead to an interesting thing down the road. I feel bad for whipstakes. I don't think that they're a team that should be oh and three by any means. I think that when you look at um, what's the word? I think when you look at the when you look at the whip snakes, there is no reason they should be zero and three or zero and two at this point. I think well, zero and two the first week was a problem. I think they should have won last week, but this team should not be performing this poorly. But I do think they go zero and three. I think Redwoods wind up being ahead in that one and taking it three zero. Now, a couple stats I want to run through before I get to an actual score prediction, right? So scores per game, sitting about even. Redwoods have a .5 advantage, 11.5 to the Whipsnakes 11. While scores against Redwoods, that Redwoods defense, they have a 1.5 advantage over Whipsnakes, only allowing 10.5 to 12, all right? They also have more scores by one. They have more one-point goals. They have a higher shot percentage at 27, which is crazy to think about when you watch the games because they seem to be missing net quite often. They are shooting at 27% on goal. They are averaging about the same shots per game. Right now, they look on paper very even. That being said, I think the Redwoods take it. I don't think Rambo can repeat what he did last week, which means Zed's going to have to step up astronomically. If we're looking at the offensive categories right now, the stat leaders for Whipstakes are all Rambo. He leads in points on the Whipsnakes, on on one-point goals, and on assists. The only thing he doesn't lead in the offensive category is shots. That would be Dordovic. Dordovic is currently at 22. At the very same point, I, I, Zed, Zed Williams need to, needs to step up. He needs to be this leader of this team that, he's, that he was in previous years. Um, they need better from the, they need better from the, uh, from the spot. Lasala is not pulling it out. Um, I know I said the same about Erlen before, but I feel like Erlen will level off and we've seen it from him before. I, I look at this whip snakes team and I see, I see a lot of catching up to do if they're going to make the playoffs this year. I think it is a very real scenario where they do not. I don't think the team is there for them as much as many would like to believe. I give this one to Redwoods. I am going to say 11 to eight. Or no, actually, I'm going to say 11 to 9. I'm going to say 11 to 9 in favor of Redwoods. I think that's a fair score. Um, I believe that Garnsey has about three goals in that. I believe Pinnell has about two. I think Berg has two. I think we're going to see a Miles Jones goal, and I think we're going to see a Perkovic two-pointer. I think Perkovic is going to have a license to shoot. He hasn't scored uh, a two-pointer this year, to my knowledge. He was close. I think he was just inside the arc on one during week one. Um, he might have one on the year, though. I could be wrong there, but I think I think we're going to see a 3-0 Redwoods team at the end of this week, and I think we're going to see a 3-0 Archers team at the end of this week. So with that being said, that just about does it for us. Games start in just a few hours here. Remember to tune in. Both games on Friday are going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Water Dogs starts at 6 p.m. 
before going into the Chrome Cannons game at 8.30. And then tomorrow you have your Game of the Week, PLL Game of the Week at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, all these times in Eastern Standard Time on ESPN or ESPN+. And then you have Redwoods Whipsnakes on Saturday, June 17th at 7 p.m. EST on ESPN Plus as well. Make sure not to miss any of the games. Make sure to go ahead and do your uh, PLL Nation on the app in the App Store or on your Google Play Store. Uh, make sure to download the app and watch the games. Support any way you can. You can make picks now with PLL Nation, answer questions to earn points, and you can also set your fantasy lineup. Go ahead and do so. My fantasy team for the week, let me pull it up for you. You can see the heavy Redwoods inspiration, but I do think they're going to have a great week here. My team of the week is going to be Rob Pinnell, Garnsey, uh, Montgomery, Zach Courier, Matt Reese, Sisselberger, and Jack Kelly. We have a lot of Redwoods in that team, but I believe that's probably one of the better lineups you can make. That's with one cap left. Make sure you get your lineup in here before six so that you can go ahead and earn points with the PLL Nation on the PLL app. That's going to be all for me. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you on Monday at 12 p.m. with our recap of the week. Have a good one.